Coming up on Chasing the Natty, week two officially coming up on us. You guys have your waiver wire picks, you got your brand new rosters, and now you got to figure out what to do for the second week of the CFF season. We got sit-start discussions driven by your suggestions, and we got five different CFF-relevant games that we are going to discuss. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown, Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase and Natty podcast. Hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Wednesday morning. Uh, it has been a very tiring day for me. I've been on the go pretty much this entire day. And across from me is our wonderful co-host for our preview segments for the Chase and Natty this offseason. That is Mr. Chris Moxley. Chris, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing okay. I uh, I'm just happy to have a a full slate of football games. Yes. Week zero was a nice little appetizer. We had the, uh, the full entree on sat. Well, Indeed. we had the full entree on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. It was beautiful football every, every single day. And I won't say it was great football every single day. Cause again, there were definitely points in the Clemson Georgia tech games where I was like, what am I watching? And then there's definitely points during the LSU Florida state game where I'm like, what am I watching? Even still, just a great weekend of football all around. Again, Nate and I discussed some of the uh, highlights from this past week and everything. But Chris, like, what what was your favorite game of the weekend, and what like which one did you enjoy watching the most? Uh, has to be North Carolina App State, right? I Dude, mean, that wasn't that was insane. a really fun game. Um, just the back and forth was was pretty crazy. Uh, I also enjoyed Houston UTSA. That game went to double overtime. Um, caught the end of that while you know going back and forth between games. There were a lot of good games this weekend too. Were. To be honest, I'm I'm pretty interested to see kind of what we get this week. Yeah, for a weekend filled with a ton of uh, what were supposed to be like cupcake matchups and everything like that, there were just not. I mean, there were a ton of blowouts. Don't get me wrong, but like the games that were supposed to be good were good outside of really maybe Georgia, Oregon, and stuff like that. But like Florida, Utah was awesome. Uh, Ohio State, Notre Dame. I mentioned this on the other pod. Like I, that to me was like the best good on good football. I watched the entire week, and that was a. It felt like a, a chess match that entire game. That was great. So that's the past. That's week one. We got to talk about weeks uh, two upcoming here for us, Chris. So really, not too much to talk about in the announcement portion. I got my spiel. We'll get to that in a second. But I guess we'll open up the show here real quick with the news that Sam Hartman's back. He has been medically cleared. He will be starting this weekend. If you are like me and you took his over on passing yards for the season, you are rejoicing at this. If you took him at the end of your drafts because everybody's taking him at a discount because we had no idea he was going to come back, you are rejoicing right now. Shout out to Dwight Peoples for picking him up in like the 13th round in the Kings Classic League. That is like, dude got one of the steals of the draft now. Again, if you took that gamble, it has paid off for you here. So Chris, what are we thinking about Sam Hartman coming back? 
I had seen at multiple times, kind of when the news broke, that early October was the time point where we thought he might return. Yes. This blows everything out of the water. Um, the, I'm not going to speculate on the injury until he confirms it himself. Uh, but, you know, there's been a couple different reports out there that it was just a matter of time of getting cleared yep. rather than um, recovery. Mm-hmm. And if that is truly the case, I expect him to light up Vanderbilt this week. Yeah. Just dominate them. And the spread in that game is currently 13 and a half, which is way too low. If we get a healthy, oh, healthy really? Sam Hartman. Uh, when I wrote down that game earlier, it was at negative eight. So it's already jumped up five and a half points. I have to imagine it's going to get even fatter than that. Yeah, I think it ends up close to like 17. Oh my goodness. Um, currently 13 and a half. And yeah, oh. that Sam Hartman's worth at least a touchdown, in my opinion. So oh, I agree. We'll that, that, that is a major, major change for that game. But we'll talk about more about that game later and everything. Again, massive, massive news. A guy who was going as the QB4, QB5 range before his injury announcement, all of a sudden, right before the season, gets a huge discount because, again, we have no idea who's going to come back. We knew that there was going to be some kind of checkup that was going to give us how long he was going to be out. It was it was going to come a couple weeks after he made the announcement that he was stepping away from football for a time. I think a lot of us, including myself, were kind of being pessimistic and saying, like, alrighty, at least half the season probably we're looking at here, at least to get this cleared up. We got that checkup. Apparently he's clear to go. I would recommend keeping an eye on it still. Because this sounds like, again, not speculating too much, but it could be something that flares up later. Even so, like, if you have Sam Hartman, or really, or if, if, if you took Mitch Griffiths, it wasn't really that bad. But even so, like, if you took Sam Hartman, you're rejoicing greatly right now. So, again, not too much really to say about that. That's just great news all around, and you're happy about it in the CFF world. Other things that you're happy about in the CFF world is the fact that I get to give you my little spiel. Like the fact that if you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you follow us and leave a five-star review and a written five-star review if you're on Apple Podcasts. Love reading those from you guys. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, subscribe, comment down below. Love all of those great things. You guys on YouTube and podcast have been absolutely blowing away the numbers we have seen that um, before this season, like now that we're fully in season, I don't know if it's you guys are sharing this, like putting it out there for you guys more, but like, again, the numbers we're seeing right now are just awesome. And I really can't thank you guys enough. You guys are engaging. I love the interactions I've been getting on Twitter lately. You guys have been just absolutely, absolutely awesome. I can't wait to see us grow even more as the season goes on. Any other things I should really point out here? Again, we are part of the Campus Canton family here. Uh, we are part of the CFF team, including myself and Chris Moxley. We also got the awesome Nate Marquise and the ever-illustrious Brandon Sanders. They got their own podcasts and articles they are putting out there, as well as the weekly CFF rankings that myself and Chris Moxley are putting out for you guys every single week right now, and even more stuff to come. Lots of great stuff going on over with the CFF team at Campus Canton. Chris Moxley, you want to give a teaser for anything maybe coming up for you? You are muted, Chris. Of course, I am. Uh, I think we'll, well, you know, this is our start sit show for the most part. I also have an article coming out where I detail a couple lower names that we, I don't think we mentioned at all on here. So that'll drop tomorrow. And then, you know, I, I'm constantly trying to keep these rankings updated. I have to do a uh, update tonight with the news that sounds like Chris Reynolds will be back for Charlotte, Perfect. and then I, I got there are guys Sam Hartman back in there. So 
couple oh. updates, try to keep it a living document throughout the week so that when you go to set your lineup, you okay. can uh, reference something that's as up to date as possible. How high are we putting Sam Hartman this week? He's got to be like top five, right? Uh, it's Vanderbilt. Top, top 10, for sure. Top 10, for sure. Okay. Top 10, I guess there top are a lot of good matchups. Top five is pretty tough. That's true, because you got you got Hennon Hooker against Pitt. You got Bryce Young going up against Texas. You got a lot of guys who are going to be high-ranked guys that are going to be through the through their games the whole time. It's not like they're playing cupcakes and get pulled by the second quarter. Yeah, top top twenty, top fifteen, sixteen is pretty tough to crack this week. Gotcha. Again, I, I I still need to get my rankings, and so shame on me for that. Anyway, let's get into the sit start discussion and everything. If you haven't heard already, how this works is that every week I'm putting out a tweet asking you guys to put in your sit-start dilemmas, the ones that are truly driving you crazy. And specifically, I guess I should clarify this, I'm looking for one roster spot that you're down between like two, maybe three guys that you're like, I can't I can't figure this out. I am not looking for it, and I'm not, I'm not trying to come off as like, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to come off as bad here, but like I'm not looking for you guys to drop me your entire wide receiver room and then tell me, hey, start two out of this group. I'm not looking for that. You guys have to make your own decisions at some point on some of these things. I want you guys to give me the ones that you are truly racking forth, back and forth in your brain here. And you're going to see some of those here tonight as really good examples as to what we're kind of looking for with that. Because as much as I would love to discuss your entire roster with you guys, we don't have time on this show. So we're keeping it down between two to three guys really with some of these. So Moxley, let's get started with this. And let's start with some quarterbacks here. We're going to be doing two at every position. Uh, we only have one running back question this week. So we're just going to keep it at one running back. Uh, but we are adding tight ends this week because you guys answered the call and you, you guys said, hey, we need help at tight ends. So let's get it for you guys. Start off quarterbacks here. Dylan Gabriel, quarterback out of Oklahoma. Very popular one last week. Popular again this week. He's going up against Kent State. And then he, the other option here is Donovan Smith, new quarterback out of Texas Tech with Tyler Shuck being out for two to three weeks. The, he's going up against Houston. This is from Drew B., on Twitter, he is at quad9s on Twitter. So, Moxley, what's your initial thoughts here? Where is your mind kind of going with this? This is really close, in my opinion. Um, and I have Gabriel ranked higher, but I think they're, like, in the exact same tier. I agree. I I, str- I struggle with this question a lot. I think it's probably the most difficult one that we have on the sheet. I'm going to go with Gabriel because I haven't ranked higher. And I think that game is more conducive to a Gabriel blow up than it is Smith versus Houston. That's a high game total. So it's not like I don't think Texas tech isn't going to score anything. That defense is a little challenging though. That isn't like Mm -hmm. a pushover defense. That defense is probably one of the better in the AAC. I really like their defense coordinator, Doug Belk. I think he does an excellent job. So, you know, I wouldn't be at least a tad surprised if Donovan Smith struggles, maybe a little bit more than we think he does. So safety, I'm going to go with Gabriel. If I need to win this week, or like I need the upside, and the rest of my roster is kind of meh, I'll probably go with Donovan Smith, and that's the way that I I view this one. No, I definitely agree. Again, early on the season, I am very much more about the safer plays, and to me, out of these two, Dylan Gabriel is the safer play. They're going up against a terrible, terrible Kent State defense. We might be able to see Dylan Gabriel run a little bit because again, that Kent State rushing defense is historically awful. He is the incumbent starter. We've seen him perform well already. He's not going to choke under pressure against a bad opponent. 
I think he's the safer play here. Donovan Smith, I have no doubt, can perform well for Texas Tech this weekend. The system is with Donovan Smith on this question. They're very close in my opinion, but again, Donovan Smith, I like him over a lot of people this week. Studs like Dylan Gabriel in systems that they're in are people that I'm willing to put over Donovan Smith. So I am leaning towards Dylan Gabriel here with you, Chris. I'm I'm on board. Yeah. Uh, if you told me Donovan Smith was the quarterback one this week, I wouldn't be surprised. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure Gabriel has that ceiling, which is fine because I think you're getting a top 15 quarterback. So it's yeah. all about risk in in this decision. I think. Yeah, I think Dylan Gabriel is pretty safe for 30 points this week, probably. I think that yeah. is a fair statement to say. Donovan Smith, he is, I think he is safe safe for 20 points this week, but he has a ceiling of 50. So yep. that's that's kind of what you're running into here. Again, this is, I try, I try to highlight how it's not just these two players that we're talking about here. We're talking about archetypes of players here. Dylan Gabriel represents the safe stud. Donovan Smith represents the potential game-breaking guy that could absolutely just tear apart a weekend for whoever you're facing, or it could tear your roster apart because he doesn't do as well as we're kind of hoping. So I'm going to go with the safer play here, but it really depends on, Drew, what kind of player that you are. Are you got? Are you going for somebody who's with the higher upside? You got to go Donovan Smith. If you're going for the safer guy, go to Dylan Gabriel. Let's move on to the second quarterback question here. Let's talk about... This is a little bit deeper one. This again, I kind of like some of these that kind of come in, and they are—they're not stud versus stud. This is truly like a guy you kind of. These are two guys you kind of put in in and out of your roster in the starting lineup. Definitely matchup based, and we got two pretty good matchups here. So we got Todd Santeo, who was the QB two last week, just an absolutely enormous game against Middle Tennessee State, threw for six touchdowns. He, like I said, he's going up against Norfolk State, and then you have. KJ Jefferson going up against South Carolina. Now, this is one of those cases where it seems like the matchup is with Tom Santeo. He's going up against a team that Marshall just absolutely ripped apart last week. We just saw him perform against a lesser opponent last week, but this is the second week now. He's had a full game under his belt. Is the coaching staff a little bit more willing to pull him early, especially against an FCS opponent, if the game gets out of hand early versus KJ Jefferson is going up against what we expect to be a pretty decent South Carolina team. He'll be in the entire game and he has that dual third ability that'll make him fantasy relevant so long as he plays a full game. That's kind of my thought process on it. That's where the pros and cons here I'm weighing here, Chris. What are you kind of thinking here? I actually don't think this is very close. Um, I think it's Todd Santeo pretty easily. Okay. I This is a really, really good matchup for him. And I actually think South Carolina is not a bad matchup for uh, for, for KJ Jefferson. Mostly because they have an elite corner, probably first-round corner in Cam Smith. Mm-hmm. So I think he can do a good job shutting down a primary option on the outside. The real concern that I have is I think this defensive line isn't that bad. Okay. I think Zach Pickens is a good player. So I so I actually pick this game to go under. Okay. And if I think this game is going to go under, I probably don't have a lot of confidence in KJ Jefferson scoring the requisite points. I think Tazateo does, and I think if he does get pulled, he's a big part of the reason why uh, he's getting pulled. He's not like I think that he's the big contributor. Or if they're up by thirty, it's because Tazateo had a big week. So that's yeah. that's my thought process. I Tazateo tells my quarterback seventeen, and KJ Jefferson's outside my top fifty if yeah. that gives any indication of where I feel this week. 
I don't think it's fair to expect Todd Santeo to throw for six touchdowns again this week. Again, if he if they're yeah. at that point, he has been pulled long before that point. Again, I think they're going to try to get um, Percy Aguiobise going a little bit more this week. He didn't really have that big of a game last week despite their blowout. Um, I definitely wouldn't mind if he threw Chris Thornton a couple touchdowns this way before he comes off the field. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. You, you kind of talked me into it. You're right. The Arkansas-South Carolina game is not expected to be a high-scoring game. Really, neither is JMU Norfolk in terms of both teams scoring very high. Obviously, JMU should, and I repeat, should do very well against this FCS opponent. And they will if they pull Toss and Teo, it'll be well after the game is out of hand. It's really just a matter of do we expect them to want to get the running backs a little bit more work this week and against a lesser opponent than they did last week. We'll definitely see, but I agree. Tassanteo is probably the safer play here. Oh, by the way, this is from uh, MDB. This is at 2008WSChamps on Twitter. So thank you, MDB, for this question, by the way. Any more thoughts on this, Chris, before we move on to our running back question? No, well said. I completely agree. All right. I basically repeated what you just said, so I guess you, of course, you're going to agree. Of course, of course, I agree. So let's talk about running back here. This feels like it shouldn't. This this feels like an obvious one to me, because I I understand why this is a question. So I'm not going to like sit here and berate anybody for asking this question in the first place. But like when you kind of sit down about it, you drafted one of these guys as a potential top three pick, and another one of these guys you took in like the 12th, 13th round. I don't think these two are really kind of weighing on each other, especially given the matchups this week. Let's talk about it. Travion Henderson versus Arkansas State or Raheem Sanders versus South Carolina. Got some Arkansas love tonight. Uh, This is from Drew at CFF underscore Heisman on Twitter. I understand that people are disappointed after Travion's performance last week. Not not great. Only 13 carries in a big-time game. Got a little banged up. You're probably a little bit worried about him, but he's not missing this upcoming game from anything I have heard. He's going to be back out there. Mayan Williams had a really good game. A lot of people asking me, like, hey, like, should we be worried about him splitting with Henderson? Henderson is a stud, y'all. He is going to be a guy that is going to get more work throughout the season. He had a really off game last week. I have no doubt he will return to form. We saw him really take over that backfield last year. I have no doubt he's going to return to form. He's got the better matchup here. He's going up against Arkansas State. They have an atrocious defense, mostly against the pass, so you could be a little bit worried about that with them going bombs away on Arkansas State. I don't think that should be one of your worries here. It's a bad defense. Travion is a home run hitter in terms of running back. Any given play, he could take it from 90 yards out. I have to go Travion Henderson here. Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think this is particularly close either. Uh, I just think this is kind of overthinking the Sanders performance and the yes. Henderson performance from last week. Uh, this is a lot tougher matchup for Sanders than it is for Henderson. And the thought is probably here that Henderson gets pulled maybe before the second half. I think that's possible. I do think they will. I mean, there's a good chance that he goes like 100 and, for 100 and a touchdown, right? I, yeah. That's like in my opinion, Raheem Sanders' best case scenario in this matchup. But I just have a lot more confidence in projecting Henderson than I do Sanders. So um, the matchup kind of seals it for me. This is just a really, really bad Arkansas State defense, like across the board. Yeah. 
I have a much easier time seeing Travion Henderson hitting a 90-yard touchdown than I do seeing Raheem Sanders hitting a touchdown greater than 50 yards at all against South Carolina. I know South Carolina... Actually, no, South Carolina's got a pretty good D-line. They got Jordan Burge. They got guys over there. So, no doubt, I'm definitely going with Henderson here. (coughs) My apologies, y'all. Anyway... Again, nothing else really to be said here. I think Chris and I are on the same page. Travion Henderson over Raheem Sanders. Yeah, since we don't have another one, can I add a start? Yeah, sure. Go ahead, man. For people who listen to the show. Well, Damian Webb, uh, the Mm -hmm. running back for South Alabama, I want to start him this week. I think that he could have a really nice game, and he's an asset in the passing game. So just a little nugget for the people since we, we didn't do two running backs to start this week. No, I agree. That's a great call, and I love it. All right. Let's go wide receivers here. I like both of these wide receiver questions. We only had two this week, but two really good ones in my opinion. So first and foremost, we got Tavion Robinson. By the way, this is from Jack C on Twitter. He's at Jack C-D-C-T-T. That's a lot of letters there, Jack. You really need to cut that down. Anyway, this is uh, Tavion Robinson going up against Florida this week, or you have A.T. Perry going up against Vanderbilt. So uh, here's the thought process that I believe leads to this question. Tavian Robinson had a great week last week. Led the team in targets on Kentucky. Going up in a big-time matchup. In a big-time matchup, you're going to go to your playmakers. Tavion Robinson, clearly that for Kentucky this year. You are looking at a guy that, it again, clear number one on their offense. They're going to score some points this week. Probably going to be Tavion Robinson's fault. And then you're going up, and then your other option is A.T. Perry. A guy you drafted probably in the first or second round of your draft. This is a guy that we are looking at. We, we were thinking was going to be the number one wide receiver this week, but then he has a rough week last week. As a lot of receivers, a lot of elite receivers had rough weeks last week. A.T. Perry is definitely one of them. Third on the team in targets. I believe, it, I believe somebody said that it was 17 minutes into the game before he even got a target. So again, I understand the concern here. And... But the good news is, and this question was asked before the news today about Sam Hartman, but Sam Hartman is back. And we know that Sam Hartman and A.T. Perry have a connection. If Sam Hartman was not coming back, this would be a little bit closer in my opinion, but I think we see A.T. Perry return to form this week with Sam Hartman going up against a tougher opponent than VMI. And I think that, again, I know it's Vanderbilt. It's a relative tougher opponent. I think we see A.T. Perry return to form this week. I would roll with him because I don't think we're going to see another week where uh, Donovan Green and Taylor Moore are both ahead of A.T. Perry and targets. That just doesn't feel right. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, this question was asked before the uh, Sam Hartman returning news. And so it was a much closer conversation, in my opinion. I think that A.T. Perry should be ranked as a top five receiver this week, and I don't have Tavian Robinson there. Um, I will probably rank... Yeah, I'll probably rank him top five, just looking out. Who else I have there? Um, where do I... I don't even know if I have Tavian Robinson in my top 30. I don't. I have him 31. Okay. So that's kind of... You know, I, I don't think this is a great matchup against Florida. So Perry just feels a lot safer and also has a higher ceiling. I'm rolling yep. with the guy that we drafted in the back end of the first, early second for the most part. Again, common theme here tonight. A lot of studs 
disappointed week one and people are kind of overthinking the next week in terms of who they should play. And I get it. Tavion Robinson had great volume last week. I don't blame you for even, con- I, I don't blame you for considering benching A.T. Perry here and putting Tavion Robinson in as a safer target volume play. My thing is, I think A.T. Perry returns to form this week, especially now that he has his quarterback back. I don't think there's any problem with A.T. Perry starting in your lineup. If he busts again this week, you can look directly at me. You can DM me and say, hey, you cost me this, or you cost me the, my game this week. And I'll be like, logic was sound. Because everything's pointing to A.T. Perry having a much better week this week. Trust the process. Trust the process. All right. Let's talk about our second wide receiver question here. This comes from Dan at ATL Dan on Twitter. He asks, Bryce Ford Wheaton versus Kansas or Jaron Bradley versus Houston? I'll be real. This is a tough one in terms of both of these guys' upside. The volume, in my opinion, lies with Bryce Ford Wheaton. Dude had 16 targets last week versus Jaron Bradley, I believe, did not even hit 10 last week. But granted, Jaron Bradley plays in the Zach Kittley offense. They're, and they're going up against a big-time opponent. I could see both of these guys having huge weeks. But I think I'm actually leaning towards Bryce Ford Wheaton here a little bit. Chris, where are you going with this one? I actually lead towards bradley here okay um finally some debate yeah i don't think that the game script really helps wheaton all that much they were dogs to pit um seven and a half i think at kickoff okay they're they're uh, i don't know what it's actually gone to um but they're at least 13 to 15 point favorites currently against kansas so i would be surprised if they had to pass that much um which definitely hurts his upside like they had to pass that whole game versus pit it ain't happening this week against against Kansas. Uh, That's fair. This game for Bradley is pretty close to a pickup, and he was the wide receiver one for Texas Tech last week. Like he, he operated was. most targets, most snaps, most route routes run, I believe. Um, so I I have no problem playing him uh, in this matchup. I have him ranked wide receiver fifteen. I feel pretty <laughs> confident in rolling okay. him back out there. I'm not worried about this. Like, listen, I like Loke Fungi. Loke Fung Fungi. I think it's how it's pronounced. Fun guy. Fun guy. Now I got myself confused. Okay, Lord. but I don't have. I I am not worried about him. He did not play a lot of snaps. He just happened to be targeted on the snaps he did. Yeah. I think that we can see a little bit of a mirage there. So I I'm treating Bradley as the primary outside option, and I think he's in for another big week. Despite being a little bit lower in Donovan Smith, I think the receiver is going to be fine in this matchup. Yeah, no, I, de- I definitely get it again. Volume to me right now is with for Wheaton, but you're absolutely right about the game script and the fact that you know Texas or uh, West Virginia should beat Kansas relatively hand ha- handedly. The only thing I'm kind of worried about is that I do not trust West Virginia's running game unless they truly let C.J. Donaldson chart like really start going because I don't I I don't trust Tony Mathis again. He could perform well better against Kansas again. Kansas D line much worse than Pitt's D line. But even so, like, that's the only thing I could see kind of pushing them into passing a little bit more than we're kind of expecting in terms of a game script, even against Kansas. But even then, I feel like I'm grasping at straws here when it comes to that. The only thing I could push against Bradley, again, the volume allows for multiple receivers here, is a resurgence for Bryce or uh, Miles Price this week. But even so, again, I feel like I'm grasping at straws there because, again, this offense 
more than enough volume to support multiple wide receivers any given week. I'm curious, Chris, where do you have Price in your weekly rankings right now? Uh, 24. 24? Okay, so you think that Bradley could have a better game than Price then? I do. Coming off week one, I flop them, flip them in okay. my in my ranks. Uh, I had Bradley ranked last week, I believe, but not highly. And I, if Price comes out and he dominates again, I probably won't put Bradley ahead of him again this year. Yeah. But I think it says something that he was the most targeted and involved receiver in the offense. So I, I mean, they're close though, right? Like yeah. there's not a big difference between wide receiver 15 and wide receiver 24. No, that's like, you're talking about like maybe 0.7 fantasy points per game difference right there. Yeah. And I got, you know, you rank 120 guys and, you know, I just don't see a big difference between the two. But if I had like gun to my head, I'm taking Bradley this week over Price. I'm a little bit worried about what Price's role is going to be. I don't think it's going to be as massive as uh, we thought. Could be. You're right. I, I think still valuable, like, not massive. Yeah. And again, this is a, like going back to this initial matchup here between Ford Wheaton and Bradley. This is like a battle between two of our top waiver wire picks. Like I, both of these guys. If you have either one of these guys individually on your roster, you're probably starting them. It, like you're finding a way to get him into your lineup. But if it's between these two, again, I started this conversation leading Bryce Ford Wheaton, but Chris, you've convinced me I'm leaning more towards Jared Bradley here. Last Jared week I Bradley. convinced you. Last week I convinced you, and we ended up with Aiden O'Connell above Drake May. So, 0 for 1 right now. Yeah, fair enough. But we'll, we'll see. All right. Let's get 1 and 1 this week. Let's move on to our flexes. We're going to talk about flexes here. Again, this will be involving both wide, mostly both wide receivers and running backs. Maybe somebody gives me a flex question at one point where you have a tight end. I don't know why you would do that, but still. Let's talk about this matchup right here. This is from at Blue Rapper on Twitter. I, I'm, I'm going to try to um, kind of vary up who gets on the show each and every week because I know Blue Rapper's on last week, but this was a good question, so I thought I'd throw it on here. Nathaniel Pete, running back out of Missouri, going up against Kansas State this week, or Mario Williams going up against Stanford for the USC Trojans. This is a PPR league. Nathaniel Pete last week technically started the game RB3. A lot of us understand that that probably had to do with his health more than anything else. And even starting as the RB3, had the best day among the Mizzou running backs seem to indicate that he is more than ready to probably take over this backfield sooner rather than later. Do we see that this week against Kansas State, who is not the worst defense you could play against, but definitely not one of the better ones. And so we've seen the Mizzou top running back do very well in the past. Do we think Nathaniel P takes over that role week one versus Mario Williams, extremely explosive offense going up against Stanford, Probably going to dominate this game for the most part. Probably going to score a lot of points on offense. Depends. Remains to be seen how many points they allow Stanford to, to score. But there's, they're like Caleb Williams, all of them, they're going to score a lot of points this week. Does Mario Williams get involved this week? He did not get involved a ton last week in their blowout over Rice. So, Chris Moxley, which one of these guys are you leaning towards? Again, just a reminder this is a PPR league. This is a really tough one. Um, cause I don't have a lot of confidence starting either guy. If I'm being totally honest, yeah. I have questions about what both of their roles look like. I, I do think Pete is probably going to be the RB one. How much that matters this week? I don't really know. I think Kansas state has a pretty good defensive line 
Um, they at least have a player who I think is going to be a top 20, 25 pick um, at defensive edge. So that worries me a little bit. Yep. But I don't know what Mario Williams' role is going to be either. I think that this game, the spread's only eight. It probably stays close. The other problem is Kansas State plays really, really slow. And they did last week, too. I thought that yeah. might change with Klein under uh, at offense coordinator, but it didn't. They, they played incredibly slow once again. So I'll go with Mario Williams, but I don't feel great about it. Like, I, I think this is pretty, pretty darn close. I'm going to go with the guy who's probably going to touch the ball more, and that's going to be Nathaniel Pete. If he truly takes over as the RB one, this is a, no. I'll admit this is a home run play. Like I'm, I'm swinging for a home run here with Nathaniel P. Truly the RB one in this case. You want the Mizzou RB one. He's going to get plenty of touches. He is good out of the backfield. We know Mizzou is not shy about passing to their running backs. It's a PPR league, so he's going to benefit from that. That's kind of where I'm leaning more towards here. It's just a pure volume with the running back here and he's receiving running back i mentioned this last week that's where my bias is probably going to go towards in these scenarios where it's two close guys i'm going to go with the receiving running back in a ppr league over a wide receiver who i'm not feeling that great about does that make sense makes sense to me i i have no strong play listen to jared here i i I just don't have confidence, and he sounds more, way more confident than I do. So there you Fair go. Uh, yeah, again, that was Blue Rapper on Twitter. Let's hit up another flex question here. This one comes from our good friend Mitch Hart at Ace Holes Rule on Twitter. Once again, okay, I was going to say this is another case of two, like a, a stud underperforming, but no, we got two guys who underperformed here last week. But there's a big difference between the two. One of them was a likely second round pick the other one was somebody probably picked up in like the ninth tenth round both underperformed and you're asking me now to compare the two i'm gonna go with the guy with a bigger upside here the question is quentin johnson going up against tarleton state this week or tay mcwilliams going up against byu this is a non-ppr league i am typically going in this scenario is going to go towards the running back in a non-ppr because they're just going to get more touches Problem is, I have no idea what is going on with that Baylor backfield right now. They split the carries all over the place last week. Tate McWilliams did not have a great day last week. Granted, again, it's against Albany last week. They're going to get more guys involved. I'm not super confident in knowing exactly what's going to shake out out of that Baylor backfield. I do know by the end of this season, Quentin Johnson will be the wide receiver one for TCU. I know they're going to target him a ton. They're going to go for a bounce back week, especially against a very weak opponent. Max Duggan's a lot of things. A quarterback that's going to struggle against Tarleton State is not going to be one of them. Again, do I fear down the road what's going to happen, considering that Chandler Morris was a big disappointment last week? Yes, but this week, no. Quentin Johnson is going to be my guy here. I absolutely think you should start him well over Tay McWilliams. Like, Take a chance on your investment. I get it. It was a bust last week. It wasn't great. But guess what? So were a lot of stud receivers you drafted in the first two rounds. Take your chance on your guy that you invested a lot of capital in. I have no problem with definitively saying Quentin Johnson here. Chris Moxley, where are you going with this one? I feel the exact same way. I'm going Johnston. This could be a game where he just blows up yeah. for the most part. Like three catches, 100 yards. 
Yep, two touchdowns. That's the kind of player he is. Tarleton does, State does not have a single athlete that can keep up with Quentin Johnston. They are going to feed him. Uh, Sunny Dice came out today and said, we need to do a better job of getting Quentin Johnston the ball. Guess who's going to get the ball this week? Quentin Johnston. Yes, sir. And like you said, like, nobody on Tarleton is going to, is going to stop him. And they got to make up for last week, like, quite frankly. Because then that offensive performance for TCU last week was abysmal. And they got to figure something out. They got to bounce back this week. Oh, look at that. Little cupcake named Tarleton State. They're going to be just fine. Again, I think people are slightly overreacting a little bit. I think people are trying to read into some of these situations just a little bit too much. Every single every single team outside of the teams that played in Week 0 and even some of them, we only have one sample size of their games. We have 11 more for every single one of them. There are going to be ups and downs with some of these guys. I mentioned this on the show with Nate earlier. I'm going to reiterate here because I think it's a very important point. Jarrett Stearns was an absolute stud last year for CFF. Dude killed every single week except one. One. The final game of the year, he scored only 4.8 fantasy points. None of these guys are infallible. Some of these guys are going to bust random weeks. And a lot of, for a lot of them, it just happened to come week one last week. Do not overreact with your rosters right now. Take some time, know the capital you invested in, the draft capital you invested in some of these guys, and give them a chance. Nothing else really to say there. Any response to that, Chris? No, just don't overthink it. Yeah. Just, just don't. You don't have to. Nobody, nobody's, nobody's in your ear telling you to sit your studs. Just start them. And re, we can reevaluate after two weeks, three weeks, but uh, we're not at that point. I agree, 100%. All right, let's talk about some of these tight ends. We got tight end questions this week. You guys answered the call. Literally, I had like three different people who were like, oh, since nobody's asking tight end questions, I'll ask a tight end questions. Well, like, unfortunately, now all of you are asking tight end questions. So we can only pick two for this week. This one comes from Blake Welch at WelchWB35 on Twitter. He is asking Payne Durham versus Indiana State or Zach Koontz versus East Carolina. I, again... Tight ends much harder to project week to week because it's just a very volatile position regardless. But once again, we have a guy who you drafted in the probably fourth, fifth round if you took him versus a guy that you drafted in the ninth, tenth round. One of them had a better week last week than the other. Again, neither had a great weeks. But even so, Zach Koontz definitely underperformed compared to where we expected. I believe he only had two catches for 12 yards last week. Not great. He is going up against East Carolina this week. Payne Durham going up against Indiana State. I have a way I'm feeling on this, just based on what I've said before when it comes to this. But Chris Moxley, you're the tight end guy, really. Where where are you going with this? I think I'm going to go with... Oh, man, this is tough, too, because Coons had nine targets. Payne Durham had eight. They're obviously both really involved in their respective offenses. Um, I'm going to go with Coons. And I was on record probably for a while saying, I don't think it's a big four at tight end. I thought it was a big three. I wasn't ready to include Koontz in that same conversation of Bowers, Trigg, and Mayer. I just, I, I thought he had question marks about how he performed uh, each game last season, despite, you know, finishing the season pretty well. But I do think this is where you go back to him. I don't think Purdue's going to need to throw that much against Indiana State. 
Uh, I expect the game with Old Dominion to be pretty, or with uh, ECU to be pretty close. I agree. And they'll throw a good amount. He had nine targets last week. Like we're going to see regression at some point. I was going to say nine targets for two receptions. Not great. Yeah, and it is what it is, right? But I think you just roll them out and you feel confident in in chasing that volume. That volume is there. He ran a route like 83% of the time. He just didn't, the receptions just weren't converted. And that's fine. It's a much better matchup this week, um, in my opinion, than the Virginia Tech back seven. So I I think that he is the guy you probably want to roll with. Yeah. That's the kind of the way I'm leaning to. Again, I was playing a little devil's advocate there with the receptions and everything, but that's kind of where I'm leaning with this as well. Again, one of these guys you invest you invested a little bit more capital in. You're gonna give Coons just a little bit a little bit more patience than you would Payne Durham. If he doesn't work out for this week, I think Payne Durham's a great guy to have on your bench. You start flipping him in there for your starters, and then you move on from Coons after that. But even so, for right now, Coons had well over hundred targets last week or last year is very rare to have a returning tight end have that much volume coming back. Most of those guys, if they have that much volume, are off to the NFL. He is obviously a guy that Old Dominion is going to want to use over and over again this year, and especially in matchups. Like Chris said, this is a better matchup. This is a matchup that's going to keep him in the whole game. You don't have to worry about him getting benched, unlike Payne Durham, where you could see him get benched because Indiana State is a very, very low division school. I'm going to roll with Zach Coons here. All right, Had, can't can't all of them be uh, two two ways? So we're gonna finish up with a three way tight end question here. We got Jatavian Sanders going up against Alabama. You have Luke Musgrave going up against Fresno State, and you have George Tecas going up against Virginia Tech. This is another question from Drew at CFF underscore Heisman. Drew, congratulations! You got two questions on the show this week because you asked some really good questions. So. My initial thought process here is this is down between Luke Musgrave and George Takis. Jatavian Sanders, I am not playing this week. Going up against an Alabama defense, he is one of my favorite plays on prize picks right now. They have him at 14 fantasy points this week. Absolutely freaking not. Not up against Alabama. They're going to try to shut him down. I'm No, 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 no. Texas played their hand last week. Alabama's going to know that Sanders is a threat. If Sanders was, if I was predicting a kind of breakout and Sanders didn't break out last week. I might like Sanders this week. I think we've heavily overcorrected on Sanders a little bit. I like Sanders the rest of the year. I have been high on him. Don't play him against Alabama. Chris, this is down to George Takis and Luke Musgrave for me. I'm leaning towards Takis here, but what's your thought process here? I am too. He had the second most targets this week with 11. And all the status come from PFF, uh, by the way. Yes. I want to make sure that they get credit for this. Um but yeah, I I, I like Takis. Um, he's just so involved in that offense. I I kind of want to go back to him. There's a lot of buzz for him in the offseason, too. So this is like a super big surprise. Uh, I'm not playing Sanders either, unless I absolutely have to. I think Musgrave is interesting, but I think it's pretty hard for me not to roll out the guy who had 11 targets last season or last last week. Again, I get the hype around Musgrave. He led his team in targets last week so i get it like again like there's there's definitely reason to be excited about musgrave i don't think he's somebody that i have ever run to get to the waiver wire right now i think if you ran to get him this week you're definitely relying a little bit too much on last week's stats i think you need to keep an eye on him a little bit more i don't think he's somebody that you're rolling out this week i am going to roll out george takis because there are so many things that were coming together through the offseason 
that pointed towards him having a really good year this year. He is entering a school that is known for using the tight end. Look at Hunter Long and Trey Berry. He is following his tight ends coach from Notre Dame, going over to Boston College, who is now the offensive coordinator. He is reuniting with a former quarterback that he played with at Notre Dame and Phil Jerkovich. So many things were coming together for him, and we saw it there last week. If they didn't have Zay Flowers on the outside, George Tikas would be the number one wide receiver option for this team, and I don't think it'd be particularly close. He is somebody that's going to be involved every single week. He, to me right now, if you have him on your roster, he is a weekly starter. Yep. I feel very definitive tonight. Like, I'm not very wishy-washy tonight. Like, normally I'm very wishy-washy. I don't know. Anyway, great questions for everybody. Again, we're going to keep doing this every single week. If you didn't get your question answered tonight, I'm going to try to go through tomorrow morning and try to answer some of y'all that I didn't get around to, especially some of y'all who left me like your entire wide receiver room and told me to pick two or pick one out of it. I'm like, I can't do that on the show. I'll answer that a different time. Anyway, let's get into some of these game matchups for this week. We got five games, high over-unders, very close games, should involve everybody sticking it out throughout the entire game. Let's get into it, Chris Moxley. First game we got here. Louisville versus Central Florida. This is a six and a half point spread towards Central Florida. This is the Friday, 7.30 p.m. game on ESPN2. The over-under on this game, 61 and a half. So, Chris Moxley. Last week, Lee Cunningham. Man, big disappointing weekend. Do you think we bou- he bounces back this weekend? Because I sure think he does. Yeah, no, I, I for sure think he does. Um, they got They were pretty unlucky last week. They drove the ball really well and just couldn't convert that to points. So I am I would not be surprised if we saw a much better showing from that offense uh in terms of like points scored, even yeah. though I didn't think they were they were bad at like a success rate level. Um I think the advanced metrics show that they're pretty good last week. Um so I think I think you you start Malik Cunningham, no problem. Don't even don't even overthink what you saw against Syracuse. I think also think you start Tyler Hudson, his receiver who had a big game week one. I think he could very well be in it for a big game this week. Uh, again, I think the total still going up too. Um, yeah. 61 and a half. Now I saw it like 62 before we logged on. So a couple places it's going up. So this is going to be a high scoring game. I think he's a big beneficiary as well. Yep. I definitely agree. Who has more rushing yards in this game? Malik Cunningham or John Rice Plumley? I'm going to go with Plumley Cause I think he's a worse passer. Hmm. I think I'll use his legs. He uses his legs more. Although I don't think either like particularly great passers. Yeah, that that's at least my my thought. UCF looked good last. Really, he looked really good last week for UCF. This is a little bit more challenging. I definitely agree. Let's talk about the two running backs in this game. Isaiah Bowser, great week last week. Tyon Evans, really good week last week, especially considering that there wasn't much to really love out of the Louisville offense in terms of from a scoring perspective. He had. Um, the most carries at the running back position, 89 yards and a touchdown along to go along with it. Either one of those guys give you a little bit of heebie-jeebies that you might want to sit in this week because you're really good about pointing out defensive versus offensive matchups. Uh, Chris, is there anything here that's kind of hidden? Again, high-scoring game, but is there anything kind of hidden here that makes you kind of wheezy on either one of those two guys? Or do you, if you have them on your roster, do you start them with confidence? I don't know about starting with confidence. Um. Yeah, I, 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 I maintain that. I don't know about starting with confidence. I don't think the Louisville front seven is very good. 
Uh, I think you can definitely run on them. And I think we saw that from Sean Tucker. So I have, uh, I would be starting Isaiah Bowser this week for sure. Okay. That, that doesn't worry me as much as I think uh, starting Tyon Evans does. Cause I don't know this office necessarily is going to look like when they actually have to, they're actually going to be in a competitive game script. Like last week I didn't feel, I thought they were, but not to the same extent. I think this defensive line for UCF is much better than Louisville's too. Okay. Um, they have what's his name, Ricky Barber, who's a defensive tackle, yep. who I think is a pretty good run stuffer there. Um, I just think it's a, I just think it's a better offensive, like a much better defensive line. We're comparing these two teams. I think UCF has three players that might that could probably start at Louisville right now. Okay. So if that gives you any indication, um, yeah, I mean, I I don't want to start Tyon Evans this week if I don't have to. Is, is the bottom line. I do want to start Isaiah Bowser, though, because it looks like Isaiah Bowser is going to be operating in a very similar role to where we saw him last season before going down with the injury. I'm not yep. super worried about what Johnny Richardson is going to do um, this week. But, yeah, I, w- I want to be starting Bowser if I, I have him, probably. I have him RB39. There's just so many good matchups this week Yeah, that, like, I want – I keep finding ways where I want to, like, push him higher. But, for example, like, I'm really close to Kamani Vidal. Kamani Vidal is Alabama A&M. Yeah. So uh, it's just a bigger, it's just really tough to uh, do that. But if I start Bowser, I'm probably, if I have Bowser, I'm probably starting him, even if it's in a flex position. No, I definitely agree here with that. Talk about receivers, receiving options, really, because both these teams have, both these teams have, at least it looks like right now, good tight end options. Marshawn Ford, we've seen what he can do. He's going to be an option for Malik Cunningham, despite the fact that he didn't have a great week last week. Malik Cunningham likes to use him. UCF had a, pretty good showing from their tight end last week uh florida transfer kimura gamble are we expecting another performance like that or do you think like, he's earned more targets this week or do we think that that was kind of a one-time thing and we're not going to see a ton of that i have them ranked ninth and tenth in my rankings that week. is so really you have them you are probably you are probably starting both of them um i like gamble actually thought it was a really good transfer uh an acquisition from florida and I think he's going to be a big part of this offense. I And Marshawn Ford was obviously a big part of the offense for Louisville last year. I expect that to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, these are, this is actually a game that features two of the country's better CFF tight ends. So that's exciting from a, you know, a CFF yeah. perspective. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about USC, the USC. You mentioned um, Tyler Hudson for Louisville. I think we're both in agreement there. If you're going to start a receiver from Louisville, he's going to be the guy. UCF. Yeah. A lot of us draft Ryan O'Keefe during the offseason, expecting him to be the number one guy, and the fact that he is used as a rusher in some of Gus Malzahn's kind of crazier plays. But Javon Baker had a really good week last week. Do we think there's been a dynamic shift there, that Javon Baker now is the clear number one wide receiver? Or do you think that, again, another one-time deal, and O'Keefe should have a better week in the coming weeks? I have Javon Baker ranked higher than O'Keefe this week. Okay. Um by a good amount i think i think there's a pretty obvious chemistry and he was looking his way even when it wasn't getting thrown to him so i want to be starting javon baker i have him ranked wide receiver 42 which all things considered that's pretty good that's pretty good like i said there's not a huge difference between 42 and probably the next 20 above yeah no absolutely and so uh, he's a guy i really want to be rolling out i i think um and i could be wrong on o'keefe I just wonder if O'Keefe was mostly the beneficiary of Mikey Keene um, 
last year, last season at least. Yes. Targeting, targeting, and signaling in on one guy, and it happened to be O'Keefe. I Baker has the pedigree to um, to show that he could be a wide receiver one, and I think he can. I think week one was a good example. So I am tentatively ranking him ahead of O'Keefe until I see that O'Keefe is still a priority piece in this offense the same way that he was last year. Yep, I I think that's absolutely fair. And I think now is time we can move on to the next uh, matchup here. So we teased this one earlier. Wake Forest at Vanderbilt. This is on the SEC Network Saturday at 12 p.m. Over under on this game, 61 I have to imagine that has risen since then with the news of Sam Hartman coming back, so I will have to go double-check that. But Yeah, Moxley, 66, I believe. 66 now? Damn. Anyway, um, let's, talk, let's not talk about Sam Hartman first. Let's go to the Vanderbilt quarterback position. Mike Wright, man, what an incredible two weeks he has had to start this season. And Moxley, I know you and I both kind of teased that he could be somebody very interesting early on in this season, and he has performed well against the two cupcake opponents he has been given so far. Hell, he outperformed what we kind of expected him at Hawaii, as far as I'm concerned. 240-plus point weeks so far. Now we do get a bit of a step up in competition for Wake Forest, but Wake Forest is not known for having a grand defense. Do I think Vanderbilt's going to struggle to win this game? Hell yeah, I do. I think Wake Forest could blow the doors off of them this week. But Mike Wright going up against a semi-suspect defense, could we see a third startable week for a Vanderbilt quarterback. I know a lot of people who play CFF for a long time just threw up in their mouths a little bit, but what do you think about Mike Wright this week? Yeah, no, I think he's absolutely startable. Um, like you said, Wake isn't really known for their defense, and I don't think that their defense is anything to write home about this season either. Maybe it's a little bit better than usual, but not anything I'm scared of personally. I think you can start right if you have him. Uh, I don't have him ranked nearly as highly as I've had him the last few weeks, but I absolutely think that you can play him. Um, the only question, I have him ranked QB 11. Um, that was before the news came out that Hartman was going to uh, gonna sit. So my logic in that, or he's going to play. So my logic in that was that, Hey, it's going to be close, which means that he can rush a lot more than he has to pass. And I still am not sold on him as a passer. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of changes the trajectory a little bit of game script wise. So I'll probably move him down, but I will still play him this week, mostly because Wake plays an extremely fast paced game. Yep. So there's opportunities to get the ball back. If you're Vanderbilt quite often, um, they're generally like top five and in, in plays per minute. And so if you're Vanderbilt, you're probably going to have a good number of possessions and, opportunities to score and Wright has been really really solid this year so I think you can start him at I mean at worst he's I'm probably not going to move him outside my top 25 yeah so that's probably a starting quarterback for most teams yeah again I don't think you're going to hit another 40 point performance this week but I could see 25 30 points from yeah him again especially again if keep feeding Will Shepard Will Shepard is like one of my bright spots of my terrible dynasty roster right now I picked him up for free and I'm like you know what like Let's see what happens between him and Mike Wright. And he has looked Will Shepard's way every single time. I guess that's a great transition over to the wide receivers in this game. Will Shepard for Vanderbilt. On the Wake Forest side, three great options. You got A.T. Perry. You got Donovan Green. You got Taylor Morin. Where are you kind of thinking about these guys in terms of who is a must-start? Who is somebody that you can start if you're desperate? And who is somebody you could just avoid in this game? 
Um, if you're desperate, you'd start Taylor Morin. If you're in a deeply, you could start Donovan Green. I think A.T. Perry is a must start. And I think you can start tight end Blake Whitehart for, uh, for Wake Forest if you're kind of down and really need a guy this week. He was he was involved. Um, yep. He's been on the team for a little while. He has a little bit of experience in the system. He's running as a primary pass catching tight end. I mean, he's a guy that if you're really really desperate, or you're in like a two tight end league, you could you can plug him in. I had him at uh, tight end forty seven okay. uh, prior to the Hartman news, and I I will move him up. Like okay. he was ranked for me this week, which tells you that I think that he's not going to be a total zero, but maybe he is. Who knows? It's impossible to predict tight ends anyway. I have to say, the tight end is definitely one of the worst positions to try to predict week in and week out because you can have a stud, but then all of a sudden, like Brock Bowers last year drove a lot of people nuts because he ended as a tight end four, but a lot of that was based on him just having monster game after monster game and then disappearing for like two to three games and then comes back with a monster game. Anyways, tight end. Tight end, you gotta love it. Some of the running backs here. Raymond Davis, I have loved. I hated that he got injured last year. He's looking better with Vanderbilt this year. And I do think that if they tr- if they truly get him going, he could have CFF relevance down the stretch, even against some, and I'm not going to say against the toughest opponents, obviously he plays Georgia this year, but like the lesser opponents of the SEC, when he plays Mizzou, when he plays maybe South Carolina as well, I could see him being relevant in some of those games. He's interesting to me. I also want to point out Mr. Christian Turner. Kenneth Walker, several years, or in 2020, we do not typically love the running back in the system for Wake Forest, but man, Kenneth Walker was awesome because you knew he was going to get some touchdowns week in and week out, despite the fact that he didn't have the volume. It's a very weird kind of backwards mentality to CFF. Typically, you just want the volume, and then any touchdowns that come with it or bonuses that come with it. Kenneth Walker, man, it was like every single week you could count on him getting two to three touchdowns. Christian Turner got two touchdowns last week for Wake Forest. Am I kind of going overboard here to say real quick that he is somebody that we should definitely be keeping an eye on in this game? And if he scores, and if he kind of takes over that Kenneth Walker role of they get near the goal line and they just use him to get in the end zone, somebody we keep an eye on? What do you think, Chris? I would not start him this week. No, if that's I, I'm mostly I'm mostly throwing this out as a hypothetical for late for down the season. I think that he mostly got a lot of work because a it was uh it was VMI and b I don't think they were throwing in the same uh at the same rate in neutral game script situations with Mitch Griffiths as they would with Sam Howell because this is a very pass friendly offense when he plays. So I'm generally speaking very skeptical of what his role looks like long-term and Sam Hartman is a quarterback who likes to run when they're in the 10 zone. Yep. So, I mean, I think he had 14 touchdowns last year, something, something crazy. He over overperformed by, but he likes to run it. He likes to run. So I don't, I just don't know what his upside is even long-term. Um, I think they have some interesting backs on that roster too. So I'm not quite sure that he gets to keep the role throughout the year. Yeah, uh, fair enough. But you know, I, I do think, Maybe they found something and they want to keep riding him. So, I mean, keep him on a watch list. Definitely. Uh, Hartman scored 11 touchdowns last year, by the way. Um, and again, oh, I, I briefly brought up Raymond Davis. Uh, any thoughts on him real quick? I would not play him because the spread is 13 and a half and it's probably going to end up close to yeah. 17. No, th- this week so. game script, 
uh, yeah, is out of hand a, here. Yeah, and that's probably going to be the case a lot for a lot of Vanderbilt games. So I need to see him perform in tough matchups before I'm ready to plug him in. And I don't count what they've. I don't count a game versus Hawaii and Elon as tough matchups. I agree. Yet. Yet. Tur- turns out turns out Hawaii's had an incredible defense. They just played two really good offenses. Anyway, um, let's go on to the next game here. Tennessee versus Pitt. We'll try to get through these a little bit quicker. Uh, Tennessee is six and a half point favorite here. This is on ABC, the Saturday 330 game for them. Over under here, 65 and a half. Obvious studs to start here. Hedden Hooker, Cedric Tillman, don't even worry about it. Go ahead and start them. Um, the rest of these guys, a lot of decent offensive pieces here. Probably guys that are sitting on your rosters. Guys like Jalen Hyatt, guys like Jabari Small, guys like maybe Keaton Slovis. Maybe you're looking at uh, Kanata Mumfield. You can uh, Rodney Hammond if he comes. Uh, I know he was banged up in last week's game. If he comes back for this game, any of those guys kind of reach out to you as players of interest there, Chris? Uh, Rodney Hammond, if he plays, I think is worth a start. Uh, I don't know if he's even going to be healthy for this matchup or possibly future matchups. Um, you know, he had felt like a serious injury at the end, but we haven't heard anything this week. I think you could play Jalen Hyatt if uh, in your flex spot. If you're looking for someone, I have him ranked this week as well. I think you could play Kanata Mumfield. I think that he kind of separated himself. I thought Jared Wayne looked all right, too. He was good. To be honest, I I, I think if you think this game's going to be a shootout, which obviously Vegas does, the secondary options for Pitt are not necessarily bad plays. Slovis is an option if you want to go that way. I'm still banking on Gavin Bartholomew as a tight end. I'm not super discouraged by week one, whatever. You know, it's tight ends. We just said this. Yeah, we just said this. Don't overreact quite yet, but if he's not involved again this week, then I'm going to be a little more concerned. But this is a this is a high high implied team total for, for Pitt that I think you have to be looking at some of their guys to start this week. I agree. Again, maybe you again Gavin Bartholomew just an enormous target down near the red zone. Probably going to get involved this week a little bit, but then again, I would have said that last week against West Virginia, and then he just disappeared. I have him ranked as as tight end twenty three. Okay. Which, like, it's low. I moved him down probably 10 spots to where I, from where I had him last week. Yeah. But I think a couple guys moved up deservedly so. Yeah. So I think you can play him, especially if you waited on tight end. Yep, I, I can agree with that. Again, the other name that I kind of mentioned there was Shabari Small going up against Pitt's D-line there. What are we kind of thinking there? Uh, Yeah, you can play him. Um, he definitely not, feels more like that, a flex option than a... Yeah, I... The problem that I have with Jabari Small is that this offense wants to throw so early and often that I'm always scared that they're going to get away from him in the game script to the point where you get a game that's like 12 carries for 58 yards and you're not super happy about it. Yeah. They look like they want to get Jalen Wright involved still. Um, It was Ball State, but he was involved last year too. He was. So I just... I just don't know what his role is. I haven't ranked RB 53. So I have him above Raymond Davis, uh, Drew Brock, Titus Swen. If that gives you kind of the range that he's in. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And like, it doesn't help that Hendon Hooker is going to be an absolute touchdown vulture this year. Dude Dude had 12 yards rushing last week and had two touchdowns to go along with it. That absolutely tells you that 
If they're down near the goal line, he's going to be selfish. He's going to grab that ball, and he's going to run it himself. Again, they, they want to give him a Heisman season this year, and they're going to do their best by getting him as many touchdowns as stats to go along with it. Sorry, Jabari. You're not the important player for Tennessee this year. Yeah. Not excited to start him if I have him. Will if I have to. So, all right. Let's talk about the game for CFF this week, and that is Houston at Texas Tech. Two wonderful CFF systems that we love so, so, so much. You have Zach Kittley's system, of course, over at Texas Tech. A new starting quarterback this week with Tyler Shuck out. Got Donovan Smith, who looked pretty good last week against Murray State. But again, the problem is, it is against Murray State. They're going up against a much better Houston defense here, but this Houston defense gave up quite a bit to UTSA this past week in terms of the passing game. Uh, Joshua, uh, Joshua Cephas, Zachary Franklin, and um, DeCorey and Clark all had their way with Houston's defense last week. Maybe that was a hiccup. Maybe they had some things to work on. They're going to be much better this week. But it tells me there is a little bit of vulnerability, and Vegas obviously, obviously believes this would be a high-scoring game. Again, real quick, Texas Tech three-point favorite here. This is on FS1, 4 p.m. game on Saturday, and it is an over-under 65.5. So clearly they think there's going to be tons and tons of points scored in this game. Not going to be a very defensive game whatsoever. Chris, we already talked about Jaron Bradley and Miles Price. We're going to move on from that uh, again. We we think they both could have, could have a good week. Uh, Donovan Smith, obviously the big question mark here. Again, he performed well against Murray State. Does he perform as well with a step up in competition? Remains to be seen. Clayton Toon had a really good week last week, as well as Nathaniel Dell. And he, they kind of spread the ball around quite a bit. They didn't really zero in on Dell as much this week. Any other receivers besides Dell at Houston this week that you're kind of interested in? Um, I think you could, in deep leagues, again, is a caveat here. I think you may be able to start Matthew Golden. He's the primary X. I think that he he's going to be on the field almost every snap. If this total is what they say it is, ball's got to go somewhere besides Nathaniel Dell. I mean, I, I have Nathaniel Dell ranked as top of the receiver this week. I had no problem doing that. I think that he's going to ball out. But I do think that you could probably roll out Matthew Golden if you're in a pinch. And so definitely a guy that I want to want um, at least think about when I'm setting my lineups. No, definitely. Uh, the other question I've had, and again, I'm not saying start this week. I guess I should clarify when I bring some of these players up. Because again, I'm, I'm, I'm asking a little bit down the season line stuff here and everything. Brandon Campbell had a really good week for Houston last week. Uh, it looks like he's already overtaken uh, Tajon Henry as the lead back for the season. I thought Tajon Henry was going to be kind of given some seniority role there and that they would ride him for a little bit. Maybe Campbell takes over the down line. Looks like he's the number one back right now. And Alton McCaskill had a really good year for Houston last week, or last year, despite the fact that Houston is an offensive system that loves to throw the ball. Is there any interest in you for Brandon Campbell in this offense, or do you think this is a little bit of fool's gold and that, again, there's not going to be really a running back we want to have here on Houston? I'm really interested to see the split this week because, like you said, Tajon Henry did start the game. And he did not look as good as Brandon Candle did. Um, Campbell has pedigree. I believe he was a four-star. He was a four-star. Yeah, committed to USC and then transferred over. 
when Alton McCaskill went down. He was one of the smart USC players that got yes. out of there as soon as Riley got there, which like, I could go on a rant about that. But yeah. I just want to point out every player that stayed at USC this past year, every offensive skill player position that stayed at USC got absolutely screwed. They're all down the depth chart from where they were a year ago. Riley replaced every single one of them. He sold them a bag of hooey. Anyway, rant over. No, I, I agree. Um, so I think Campbell's probably rostered in most leagues just because he was the presumed RB1, um, even though Henry had won the job. That kind of happened kind of late in late in the summer after most drafts were over. So I, I'm really, I just want to see kind of like what that split looks like this week and maybe next week. But again, he, I mean, he's not a guy that I want to start this week probably either for the same reason, mm-hmm. but he could be a player that I, I look to later in the season. Cause this is not a challenging conference. If you're Houston, the AAC is not um, some murderous row of, of nope. defenses. So any other receiving options out of, again, probably deeper leagues and everything here, but like Texas tech or Houston, either one to kind of stick out to you as somebody you might want to look at here. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think you t- play Bradley, I think you play Miles Price. Of course, again, I I, I mentioned that in the beginning. Yeah, I I'm trying to I'm trying to think if you could play it. Honestly, those are the guys that I feel comfortable with currently. I don't want to rush out and play a guy like Fungi who had. I I don't want to say he had nine snaps, but he did not play. He was not a starting <laughs> wide receiver for for them. Um, like that's not a guy that I'm targeting. I think he's fool's gold if we're talking about fool's gold. Gotcha. Um, and then also last week we saw um, – we did see uh, some of the tight ends get involved there. Again, all three of them caught one pass and everything, but Tharp was the t- was the guy who got into the end zone. Uh, any other tight end options for either one of these teams that really kind of speak to you? Um, I you know I do have both Trahan and Tharp ranked this week, but they are not – they're like – desperation plays because i don't think either offense is really funneling through the tight end um all that much i mean i think they're both ranked in my my 40s like low 40s too i have trey henry 44th for example like that's not a guy that i want to play if i don't have to and maybe i'm desperate but that's my thought process they definitely feel like both true desperation plays at the tight end position if you're just you're looking at your guys and they're just complete busts yeah, for example, like I'd rather pl- I'd rather chase the volume from Brenton Strange last week, and he basically got it off of one big play. Fair enough. That's that's kind of how I feel about about this offense. All right, we got one more game to talk about here. Let's go to the team I just ranted about: USC on the road at Stanford. Sam- or USC is the nine point favorite here. This is the seven thirty ABC game on Saturday. It is the over under of sixty five and a half. This has to be totally driven by the fact that USC is a really great offense and a really terrible defense right now. Because I would never expect Stanford to be the one, the team I would walk up to and say, "Yeah, that's a team that's going to score a lot of points every single week." I think they, I think USC has been found out. They're going to be in shootouts every single week. Caleb Williams, obviously, a must start here. I think he's going to be a must start any given week. They're going to be throwing the ball a ton every single week. He's going to be involved. He's going to rush. No questions there whatsoever. The more interesting names here, obviously, Jordan Addison, you invested high. Start him. He's going to have a better week this week, guys, I promise. The more interesting things to me are where does the ball go other than those guys? Travis Dye, 
Austin Jones. Austin Jones got the touchdowns last week. Travis Side did not. Is that split going to continue to be as terrible as it looked last week? What about other receiving options outside of Addison? Mario Williams. Um, who's the other starting wide receiver for USC? It's not. It's not Gary. Last Bryant. week. Last week it was Brendan Rice. Brendan Rice. So again, do we expect a better game out of Brendan Rice? Where does the ball go for USC outside of Caleb Williams and probably Jordan Addison? I ha- I cannot imagine he does not go a second week in a row with a bad game. Yeah, I, so I have both receivers ranked in my top fifty. Addison forty-seven or uh, Williams forty-seven. Addison in my top ten. Yeah, he's my wide receiver three this week. Huge, huge point total or game total. Um, implied points are there. Everything's lining up for. For USC this week, uh, I think you can start both Williams and Addison, depending on you know where where you lie uh, with your receiver depth. Those are the only two that I would start, though. I think you can look elsewhere if you need to, despite uh, this game being like a sixty-five plus total. Um, I so on the Stanford side, which I don't mean to get ahead of you, but. I have I struggle a lot trying to figure out who I want to start on this team. I think Michael Wilson, the receiver, is someone you can start. Okay. Uh, I would start Tanner McKee if, like, I'm not super excited to start him, but I think you can start him. Um, and then EJ Smith is a guy I think you absolutely can start. That's I'm a- not worried about Ben Yurisek either. If we're have, playing the same uh, Gavin Bartholomew game, like Yurisek's yeah. guy that I'm rolling out. He's in my top ten this week. Totally honest. I am not worried. I think I love this matchup. Um, they USC brought in Eric Gentry, who I think is a pretty good linebacker. I think he has okay coverage, cover skills, but they'll they'll get Yurisek open, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a, this is a big time matchup. Stanford played what last week? Uh, who do they play? They played Colgate. They played toothpaste. All right. Yeah, we talk about toothpaste. They're not. They're not. They weren't looking to truly get their studs involved last week. This is a. That, that was a game where they're trying to get other guys' chances, seeing who can make plays and everything. I think Michael Wilson definitely was a name that came out of that. I think they're going to be using down the stretch. But guys that we were kind of expecting, like Tremaine, Elijah Higgins, probably going to get a little bit more work down the stretch. They, these were guys that we were kind of expecting into this year. And then, like you said, obviously Ben Yurisek, he's going to be a dude. Elijah Smith, or, or not Elijah Smith, EJ Smith last week. Man, first of all, great long touchdown from him. I'm a little worried that outside of that touchdown, he kind of struggled in terms of a pure yardage basis because if you take away that long touchdown, he only has 31 yards on 10 carries last week. So that's good for 3.1 carries against Colgate. Again, literal toothpaste of a defense. So I'm a little worried about that. But again, it's a USC defense. He's shown home run ability now. He's a great receiver out of the backfield. He caught five passes last week. I think he, in a PPR league, I think he's absolutely a must-start for this game. Yeah, I want to start him in a PPR league for sure. Um, the issue that I've had with him basically the whole time that he's been at Stanford and even as a prospect is that he doesn't have good speed. He's a better athlete than anybody at Colgate, probably. So you saw a long touchdown from him. I don't know how repeatable that is. I agree. So that's that's concern. He's a great receiver. So you're you're definitely I definitely think he's good. I'm not this is a little bit of a hot take. Hot take. Actually, it's gonna be a big, big hot take. Let's do so it. This is this is this is what I'm gonna say. EJ Smith has 
seven or more receptions this week. Is that too little? Is that hot enough? I can go hotter. I can go hotter. I almost said he 10. He had five this past week. Give it's me, a bigger game. Give me They're eight. Gonna... Give me eight. Okay. I'll Is that give you eight. That's still that, hot? That, still not hot enough? I can go to 10. I'll say, go to 10. It depends on how hot you're trying to get here. Like, are, are, are eight, rece- eight receptions for a collegiate running back in any game? That's hot. I'm, I'm sticking to it. Eight receptions this week. Yeah, He's say, going to be a major part. Major part of the check down game for Tanner McKee, and I think they're going to need to use it. They will be passing a lot. High team to high spread, and they are currently eight point or nine point underdogs, depending where you look, which means that they will need to be passing. EJ Smith is one of their best receivers. Eight plus receptions. Let's do it. All right. I, I consider that hot enough. Your 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 seat's on fire over there. All right. Love it. That I think with that hot take to end it all, I think that'll bring us to the end of our show here. Really appreciate everybody tuning in, guys. Again, we're full into the season now. You guys have been awesome. Really enjoyed the interaction with you guys on Twitter as well as on YouTube in the comment sections down below. Really appreciate a lot of the kind words you guys have been giving us lately. Like I said earlier in the show, the numbers we are seeing right now in terms of views, in terms of comments, in terms of interactions, in terms of uh, downloads, in terms of all of that has been just absolutely enormous and just honestly bigger than anything already i would have expected out of this year you guys have responded really appreciate you guys sharing us with any of your college football buddies that are out there getting into the cff team or cff game for the first time it has been truly truly amazing i feel like i meet every somebody new every single week that comes up to me says hey really really enjoy your show and i I, like i'm new to cff and you guys have helped me out a ton and so i really appreciate hearing that kind of stuff chris moxley Anything that, you, again, I, I asked you earlier to tease, anything you didn't mention earlier that you want to throw out there for people? No, just pay attention to our, our content each week. Uh, you know, we have a morning show that goes out, uh, talk about all types of college football. We even talk about uh, high school football and kind of who's next, you know, something that Brandon Sanders on yes, our CF team really likes to pay attention to as well. Uh, and check out Better Sports Network. You know, we're going to be on there every Saturday between 8 and 10. Uh, you know, it'll be a rotation of a bunch of guys at C2C, but it's a really great opportunity. We're really excited to be partnered with them and, uh, you know, talking football, talking lines for the game and you know, really, really fun show. So, you know, eight to 10 every Saturday and we'll be going live, I think, even in the off season. So yeah. year round show, it'll be a lot of fun. I, I was so, so excited when y'all announced that you were officially getting onto a radio network. That was very very cool and just great for the cff game just in general just the more ears that we can get to get into people the more we can just get people talk about who are normally guys who are in to the nfl just getting more college names into their ears getting more guys that they can start to care about just a little bit more and saying like alrighty, i'm starting to care about these guys more is there a version of the nfl fantasy game that i love to play is there a college version of that? Guess what? There is. We're right here welcoming each and every one of you guys. Yeah, that again, like I said, that brings us to the end of our show. Again, really appreciate you guys listening and keep listening. Uh, make sure to check us. Uh, I'm next. You'll find me on the tailgate on Saturday morning. Chris Moxley will be there as well. Great time. We discuss all sorts of things leading into the college football day. We discuss matchups. We discuss uh, prize picks. We discuss... Um, it starts all that good jazz it's a good time so make sure you check that out as well and if you don't check me out there we'll see you guys next week uh be back with nate marquise and we'll be discussing our latest round of waiver wires all of that yep
Y'all have a wonderful and blessed day. See y'all.